Hey, it's Leah Rance from Afternoons on Laser 99.3 and 98.5. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Academy Mortgage of Agawam. They get the deal closed. You can listen to it on Laser99.3.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify, and apparently a bunch of other stuff that if you just Google Afternoon Rants, uh, I show up on. But you're here now, so like, let's get into it. Leah Rance, Afternoon Rants. Okay, real talk, future Leah here. This episode, I admit, was recorded a little while back, and I'm sorry for it, but I really wanted to play Drunker a Kid with Jared and Bianca, and then Steve Rogers came in, and we had our chat, both episodes, by the way, available to listen to, and, uh, you know, it was a good review, though. I just didn't want to, like, let it pass by, and the farther we went along, I was like, man, this is going to get less and less relevant (laughs) as it's going on, but you know what I've really though too is like real talk so you know afternoon rants is kind of a little bit of everything lately and that's because well I have a lot of different things I like to do as you could tell um but one of the big things I do love like and truly have a passion for is um movies I of all kinds, honestly. Horror tend to be my favorite. I'm going to see it chapter two tonight, so uh, you can expect a full-length, probably 40-minute deep-dive review of that, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot to unfold there. And that's probably going to be next week, honestly. Um, but I hope you don't mind, you know? Like, I really want to do more of these. I really enjoy them. And I also like having Jared in here a lot to kind of you know, have a back and forth with because sometimes he and I have very differing views on movies. And uh, so I hope you don't mind. You might be seeing a lot more of these if movie reviews are your thing. And if they're not, well, I'm sorry. (laughs) There's other episodes. Do you want to hear about when I was drunk or a kid? Um, (laughs) um, But no, you you can um, reach out, by the way, at any point. And I would love you to. I actually encourage you to. I'm intensely curious about you. Um, L Rants, R-A-N-T-Z, at springfieldrocks.com. That is my email. If you ever want to reach out and you have anything you want to say about this podcast, feel free. You could also find me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm, I'm everywhere, honestly. So, all right. Let's get into it. I'm rambling. I'm ranting. So initially, I wanted to do a review, because I've been really digging our movie reviews, Mm -hmm. of uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Okay, so when we got out of the theater, you said, I liked it, but... And so I I, let's just get right into it. I'm very curious. One out of ten, what would you give this movie? Like a six and a half or seven. Okay, I, I feel like that's I fair. Long story short, this is kind of like the before we jump into like spoilers, all right? The first two thirds of the movie, I really liked. Then like just that last act, I just could not get into. Or like it kind of like broke kind of like the serious kind of vibe that they tried to go with for the rest of the movie. Hmm. Okay. So, all right. Well, before we get into spoiler mm-hmm. territory, I would say that I would I would give it a seven as well. But I feel like my review is going to be a little bit more positive than you, I think. Okay, yeah. So, um, but uh, go ahead. So, what was the but for you? Okay, so the entire beginning of the movie actually, I mean, honestly, the first two acts had a lot of this awesome, like, 
almost like visual storytelling in like certain aspects of it. Well, scary stories to tell in the dark being the fact that they were based off the books, the thing that really captured children, I feel like, and made kids pick it up in the 90s was the fact that of the art style that oh, was yeah. done. So mm-hmm. picking Del Toro, Guillermo Del Toro for this was like an obvious choice because he's known for his like masterful masterful work with monsters. So I would agree. The visuals mm-hmm. were the best part of this movie. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's because I think when they relied on the CG, I think that's kind of where it fell apart a lot. But like, so the first like three like big monsters that we see, right? So we have the Scarecrow, right? Yeah. Harold, I believe. Used was... a lot in the promos. Oh my god, that was so that looked amazing. Yes. Then there was um the red dot, which was like the zit where the spiders started coming out. Yes. And then there was essentially the Pillsbury Doughboy from Hell. You're also forgetting um the toe. Where's oh, yeah, I forgot about the toe. Yes. All right, yeah, sorry, that one didn't show up for as much as I feel like the yes, other one's did. where's my toe? The where's my toe? Yes. All right, yeah. yeah, but so I think all four of those were great, right? I would say they also progressively, for me, got more and more unnerving. So, so, but you didn't like the, um, what is that? What was that called? It was this really strange Hold name on. for it. The Jangly Man. The Jangly Man? That's what he's called, yeah. Okay, so the Jangly Man actually kind of ruined the like the later part of the movie for me, truthfully. Cause I, okay, so you're, giving, you're not giving me a good look right now. But, so I think the CGI was not super well done, truthfully. Because I, th- I think with a lot of horror movies, right, if you see the monster outright, I think it usually kind of detracts from the experience a lot of that. Especially when, honestly, for me, it kind of came across kind of like goofy to a certain extent, which is like this is supposed to be like the climax of this horror movie, right? And I feel like it's almost kind of like trying to give me like two different emotions while like the Jangly Man is scary as it was with like chasing him down and like getting on like the hood of the car and everything during like that whole chase sequence. Just like the voice and everything. Yeah, I don't know. It just kind of like broke the seriousness in like the tone that the movie had going for like the first two acts. Do you kind of see where I'm coming from that? Yes, typically I agree with you in the fact that like with horror movies, there's always this kind of um, struggle as to whether or not to show the monsters outright up front because uh, once the mystery is gone and our imaginations are truly our most powerful way of making something scary when mm-hmm. we're left to our imagination we can imagine something 10 times scarier than anything that could possibly be shown um case in point the village the reason the village in the second act is not seen as strong as the first act is because the first act we just don't know what the monster is and then when the mm-hmm. second act comes out and we see them outright it's not quite as scary so i would are you know i agree with you on that however i do feel like that i i I d- have to disagree. I think the CGI was there, and I actually really, really liked the. Um, he he had a very jarring kind of movement about him. The fact that he could contort his body. Something about contortionists and and like American audiences. We just freaking hate it, man. Ever since like The Exorcist, we can't deal mm, yeah. with people crawling upside down. Like if you can do that, you have a job in Hollywood as a monster, basically. I mean, not in this case because it was CGI. But I would still say that he was arguably for me scarier than the previous four monsters that we saw. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. See, I think he was more of like an imposing presence, which I, I get that it worked, 
But again, I think it was just because like they kind of showed it off. I think like a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. You know, so for example, like uh, essentially again the, the Pillsbury Doughboy from Hell, right? The one that kind of like absorbed. I'm forgetting the character's name. The one from the hospital. The pale woman. The pale woman. Yeah. So like I think for her, they did it really well, especially because of like the lighting in the scene too. I think really helped just essentially make make that look absolutely terrifying, right? As it was just slowly creeping in on him, and then like where, wherever he looked, there's another one of the pale women walking towards him. So eventually, he just got cornered. Like I think that's like the kind of suspense that like a lot of horror movies kind of need to have in order to keep at least me interested personally. I didn't really feel that with the jangly man. Right. Well, I mean, and this is like where it's getting to the climax. We have to add some mm-hmm. urgency to this. The man, you know, the the kid, he has to live. Um, he's managing to get away. Um, and by the way, the pale lady was a direct, like taken directly from the artwork of Stephen Gamble and Brett Helquist. Those were the two artists mm-hmm. that did Scary Stories. That was a direct. I, I don't know. The thing of Scary Stories in the Dark is that it's an anthology series, so already you've got to pick the best monsters, basically, that uh, really stuck with kids through their childhood. Mm -hmm. By the way, did you ever read these books? I actually never read it, truthfully. I can't remember, truth be told, if I ever read these books. I remember there was one book, that the, the story that scared me a lot as a kid, and I think it was The Pale Lady, but I think I read hers and I was done. And I just <laughs> didn't I didn't read any more, but I've always had a fascination with horror. So, I mean, it seems kind of weird that, like, I didn't. That you weren't but, a fan of it? Yeah. Um, so, but the thing of it is, is that we're seeing... I think that's where scary stories really shines is Del Toro using these monsters. He um, he kind of plays on a lot of different like fears that we have. There's more than just one. So you've got kind of that foreboding sense with the pale lady, but mm-hmm. you've also got the contortionist thing with the jangly man. And you've also got... Um, the 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 skin the skin thing that was very unsettling oh, with the yeah. zit and popping into a yeah, bunch of spiders. There was a large amount of body horror in this movie that I did not expect from a PG thirteen movie that was based off of. I mean, you can call it a kids book, you know, but like it's obviously a little bit more mature. And but, that is oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that like it was really crazy to think that like for everything that was in this movie that it wasn't rated R. Well, and that's where I feel like a little bit of scary stories has a bit of a weakness. So mm. where um, I was going to go see it, I asked I asked a couple people, and uh, some of the thing that I I seemed to run into a lot was, well, it's a kids movie, is what I would I would have, you know. And I was like, well, that doesn't typically deter me. But when it comes to like a kids movie, and you you mix it with horror, you're either going to be like, okay, is this just going to be like a really goofy episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark or Goosebumps, or <laughs> is this going to actually be like The Conjuring and be like a no holds bar, like just outright terrifying? And and the question is, is that the problem is, is that um. There was a lot of times in this movie where I just really wanted all hell to break loose. And I felt that we were kind of almost getting handled with kids gloves at, at, at certain bit. points. Yeah. And I felt like it wasn't really sure at times of what it wanted to be. Did it want to be a movie that was geared towards the kids that are now grown up and they're in their 20s that have, you know, 
read these books as children or did it want to be accessible enough for maybe a 13 year old who snuck it past their parents and wants to see it you know and I felt like it kind of was both but it wasn't enough if you were a a 20 year old Mm -hmm. watching this yeah so I think if you're a young kid who's kind of like starting to get interested in like horror as a genre I think this is like kind of like a good like starting point yeah but I mean for like people like me and you who are like I mean, horror is, like, by far my favorite, like, movie genre. I don't know if... Yeah, same I'm assuming it's up there for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so, like, for me and you, like, we've seen... I don't even know how many horror movies over the course of us kind of, like, being into into film and movies and all this other stuff, right? But, I mean, for somebody who's just trying to get into it, I can kind of see how it's kind of just, like, a nice, like, diving board to just jump in, you know? Right. And also, so... Another weird choice was the fact that it was told through the perspective of children, which... In a sense, makes sense. Again, if you want to make this a starter movie for kids around this age, I think the kids were all maybe 13, 14 years old. Yeah, around there. Really good actors, by the mm-hmm. way. I didn't feel like any of them were... I, yeah, I no, felt, the acting was great. Yeah, I felt like they really held their own, and there was some definitely like new talent that I feel like we're going to see. The one that really stood out to me was Zoe Margaret Coletti, and uh, she played Stella the the yes. main character mm-hmm. arguably and Michael Garza he played Ramon Morales mm-hmm. they stood out the most to me as being the best yeah honestly. they were I mean honestly though like all the kids were pretty phenomenal yeah I yeah I didn't ever feel like at some point I was like wow that kid just learned his line right before he went on set <laughs> which I've definitely felt before oh, watching absolutely. kid actors mm-hmm. like it's really hit or miss and they did the the casting in this was like spot on honestly I believed all of these people were their characters Mm -hmm. it also helps when they're breakout stars like that and you don't have a previous thing to hold them by right yeah I mean but here's the thing like overall I do think this movie was like it was pretty enjoyable and especially like like just for me, like I like to hold horror movies to a higher standard than what I normally would other other films, mm-hmm. just because I love the potential that horror movies have. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I just didn't really get that as much as I feel like I usually would have. Yeah, I I I don't know. Like I kind of wish that they had just flipped the switch to more adult and and. Mm-hmm. Let me just say that when I say more adult, I don't mean that I want more cursing or nudity or the things that come with an R rating. Del Toro was playing with some interesting stuff here in the fact that of how scary. Now, this place takes place in 1968. I almost felt like at times it was playing with the idea of the real scary stories was what was going on currently at the 60s in the backdrop of the Vietnam War. And mm-hmm. you've got Nixon's, uh, you know, election going on in the background. You've got... Um, you know, uh, Ramon dealing with racism and dealing with uh, being treated like an outsider from this small town and, and um, you know, uh, Stella's parent abandoning her and her father. You know, I didn't feel like we got a lot of closure with the father yeah. who was clearly uh, traumatized by his wife leaving and not really sure how to carry on raising right. like a kid on his own. And, you know, these were like really rich kind of ideas that I felt like if if had been focused on a little bit more in addition to the monsters would have really made this like an it level like oh absolutely like if they focused and especially like like the big part that we haven't really brought up yet either is that ramon's character arc is that he's a draft dodger going under a like a false name for you know the basically the first part of the movie right and it's like this like crazy thing so like i think if they try to tie it more into those events because like there's a lot of just kind of like 
it ends almost. You know, like that. Like right. there's a lot of storylines that like could have been there, but I feel like they were just kind of dropped. Yeah, and it definitely towards the end was leading towards uh, you know because two of the characters, and we don't typically see this in horror movies that deal with children, but two of the characters uh, didn't come back. Uh, Tommy and mm-hmm. Augie did not come back, so they were trying to going to try to find a way to bring them back, and I um. I just felt like if there had been less focus, I, I personally didn't care as much about the whole why the woman was trying to lure children in with the book, uh, you know, the, the ghostly woman, Sarah Bellos. Yes. I, I cared. I couldn't care less about her story. I cared so much more about these stories going on with these families that I almost mm-hmm. felt yeah. like it was kind of unnecessary. And I was like, I don't really need to know why these mm-hmm. this book is haunted. You could just tell me it's haunted and I'm not I don't need to like have any closure with this ghost, yeah. you know? Yeah, well, and that's and I completely agree with you there. It's because. I feel like the best horror movies are grounded in reality, right? Exactly. When you're caught thinking, oh, that could be me. Right. Yes. You know, it's like nobody, okay, not usually people just walk into a haunted house and then, you know, I just feel like the movie, again, I completely agree. The movie just spent way too much time talking about Sarah Bellows. And I think me and you are completely on the same page here where I think it would have been a lot more interesting if they focused more on the real world stuff that was happening alongside these events too. Right. So I think, Solid seven reading. I would say it wasn't maybe even worth going to see in theaters. It would probably be just something fun to see on Netflix in an mm-hmm. age where right now the big debate is, do you actually go and spend your money on the, you know, movies mm-hmm. in the theater? Which, I mean, as much as I love the theater and I'll always go, um, there are definitely times like these where I'm like, that's something I definitely could have saved my money on and watched on Netflix and been oh, just yeah. as happy with mm-hmm. the result. Yeah, like, I think this would be a good Halloween movie. You know, right. like this is a good movie to just turn on during Halloween, you know, kind of set the mood. Yeah. And I'm kind of like and I'm I'm hoping for more from Del Toro as always. It's funny. I'm mm-hmm. always like such a big fan of his work. I would say that Crimson Peak is my favorite thing he's ever done. And it was a, also a, it was a pretty misunderstood movie. So I feel like he's just getting paired with a lot of these things that are like weirdly getting misunderstood. Now, I feel like this one is more like going to be like, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. I don't think I that anybody is yeah. going to be. And, and I will be shocked if it gets greenlit for a sequel, because I don't know currently if the numbers are strong enough. I don't think so. Um, I mean, this is also kind of a weird time of the year for them to drop this, too, right? Like, if it was like later September or like obviously in October, I think it would have done a hell of a lot better. Right. But, like, we're in the back half of August right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, nobody's really thinking, you know, scary stories, you know? Yeah, so it was a $25 million movie to make, and uh, right now it is made about $41 million, so still, you know, it was good. I think probably in the age that we are in currently in Hollywood, and they are just bereft of ideas, I think that they'll <laughs> just keep on going with this, you know? But might, I think yeah. that if they do the sequel, you, the only way to make it work is you gotta bring Del Toro back, and you gotta kind of make it more adult, honestly, like, and deal with adult themes more than just, like, dealing with these monsters, mm-hmm. you know? Because once you start to kind of push past the monsters you realize oh it's just it's just a monster that's it there's nothing deeply horrifying about Mm -hmm. it yeah All right, so that does it for our scary stories to tell in the dark interview and if you liked it great if you didn't well 
Bad news for you. We've got another horror movie review coming up because me and Jared are going to be reviewing It Chapter 2 next week, and uh, I'm super pumped for it. So I think there's going to be a lot to uncover. We'll probably cover the entire expanse of It because... It's a lot. <laughs> anyway, uh, reach out <laughs> at lrance at springfieldrocks.com is my email. Find me on Twitter, Leah underscore rants with an S, or on Instagram at the Mona Leah. Stay weird. Stay weird.